0: All day. Yeah, all, all day.
1: day. I don't beatbox. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do. I just I just yeah, beatbox to my patients and then, then it makes them happier. Alright, should we start? Yeah. Hi. We have started. Oh gosh. Alright, let's start. Yeah. Hi. I'm Dr. JP Shand. And I'm a board certified psychiatrist and you are listening to and part-time Dear Segment, beatboxer. Part- <laughs> <laughs> Often time beatboxer. Now, uh, you're listening to Dear Sigmund, and this is our podcast where we answer your questions about mental health. Um, anything that you feel that you want to ask, uh, please write in to our what is it website.
1: Yeah, daresigmund.com.
0: Yes. And uh, there's a little box to fill it in. You can also do a voice recording uh, and get your voice on air. Uh, or if you just don't want to type and you want to record a voice and you just want to say, hey, please don't put this on air, but I didn't want to type. Uh, so just listen to this question. You can often probably get even more detail, and we can hear your voice and maybe maybe give a... Better know, answer. Yeah, more accurate. And not do what I said we did in a previous episode, which is just circle the drain ad infinitum. Um, so thanks for listening. And Shannon is...
1: Yes, I am... A licensed clinical social worker and owner of Apricity Behavioral Health, um, and co-founder of this podcast. I really need to get comfortable saying that. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're so we founders. have founders. That does feel founder, good. Founder, yes. yes. Founding member.
0: Oh, we sit on the board. We're yes. The only board members.
1: Yes. We're going <laughs> public. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all the places. Yes. Um, and we'd love it if you would review us and maybe even follow us.
0: Yes. Since the last question, do we figure out how to find us on YouTube? It's a new thing for us. I think you just yeah, our Dear channel
1: Sigmund. is Dear Sigmund. So I think Perfect. if you just type that in, you'll be Good. able to
0: find us. So should we start answering questions?
1: Yeah. The first one's a doozy.
0: Uh oh. Uh oh. All right. What is it, Jesse? Lay it on us.
2: Dear Sigmund. What's the difference between a diagnosis of narcissism and just being a narcissistic jerk? I'm confused and feeling manipulated.
1: Very, very Ugh. thin line is what I well, would say.
0: I think those are kind of the same thing, right? Being a narcissistic jerk and the diagnosis of a narcissist. I mean, one is like a diagnosed narcissist who's also being a jerk is the second part. But the question between the layman statement of how do i differentiate somebody who has a diagnosable narcissistic personality disorder and somebody who i just find being a jerk that seems like mm-hmm. the question right so so you know we pulled up here the the, the true dsm-5 which is a diagnostic statistical manual version 5 um, which is where you can find a lot of these criteria um Diag- and that's what your
1: healthcare provider uses yeah. to determine what the diagnosis is. Because right. we may have a gut feeling, but it has to meet the criteria set forth in that book in order for us to officially give it the diagnosis.
0: Yes. Yes, correct. Um and it's a little bit more nuanced to use it. You can't just really like get a checklist and say, Oh, check, 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 check. There's a lot of reading between the lines that I think clinicians do that, you know, a lot of people don't recognize some of these things that their clients are reporting you know they're saying one thing but actually there's something going on between the lines. because mm-hmm. it's very hard to recognize any deficiency in oneself mm-hmm. or struggles but here here it is narcissistic personality wow narcissistic personality disorder criteria one grandiosity which means i have a highly inflated self-esteem right or higher I'm important and you gotta
1: treat me as an important I am a VIP at all times. Treat me accordingly.
0: Right. So grandiosity, I feel this way about myself and I expect others to treat me in the way which I view myself. So truly the term is grandiosity with expectations of superior treatment from other people. Number two, fixated on fantasies of power, success, intelligence, attractiveness. Etc. So things that really make you feel above others, that individual is fixated on these things. Really, that is a focus of conversation. The person who's one-upping you in conversation. There's a great Key and Peel skit Mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, you know, that seems to be a lot of what the conversations revolve around. Self-perception of being unique, superior, associated with high status people and institutions. so really again,
1: they believe they're elite.
0: Yeah, this person is really focused on themselves being part of this unique superior crowd.
1: But not only that, that brings us to point number two, where others need to admire that. Yes, right. And you that, need to see my eliteness and you know, show me some adoration. Yeah, true.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, needing continual admiration from others. Uh, number five, a sense of entitlement to special treatment and to obedience from others. Number six, exploitative of others to achieve personal gain. So they will use you until you are no longer useful. So if To you get are, what they want. Yeah.
1: To it, further themselves. Totally. But
0: it right. could be something as simple as just feeding my ego, right? You might not mm-hmm. actually be stepping me up the social rungs. But rather, you're feeding my ego enough that that's of use to me because you're constantly telling me how great I am and that's of tremendous value to me. Um, unwilling to empathize uh, with the feelings or wishes or needs of other people. So uh, somebody who is unable to really feel what other people may feel or identify what other people may feel. That's the difference between sympathy and Or they're
1: and empathy, unwilling actually. to. Like, I can sit here and say, do you know that really makes me feel bad? And they're like, I don't care. Yeah. Okay. All right.
0: So. Yeah,
1: right. Right. It's your fault. You can't see how amazing I am. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: uh, intensely. Uh, in, okay. So this is actually a good one. Because a lot of people don't know that people with narcissism also have insecurities.
1: They're intensely envious of yeah. others. And the belief that others are equally envious of them. Yeah. So like. I want you, but you have, but I know you want what I have.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to keep putting things out there for you to be envious of me, but really I want what that next person above me has. Mm -hmm. So it it really shows kind of a fragile ego state, and there are some differentiations between um, kind of weakened ego narcissists and strong ego narcissists. And the weak ego narcissist is the individual who is very prone to narcissistic injury. So they will present this facade of uh, all-powerful grandiosity above you, but anything that slights them or makes them feel a little bit lesser, they will go on the full-blown attack.
1: Oh, they'll annihilate the threat to their awesomeness. Yes,
0: and tell you how terrible you are and make you feel tremendously small. In an intense overreaction to the narcissistic because their ego they cannot
1: have. handle any Even sort of challenge Correct. to it at all, so they compensate for that by just annihilating the threat.
0: Yes. So that's so you don't have to have all of these, but there are nine. Oh, but there's criteria. the last one too: pompous oh. and arrogant demeanor. Oh yes, which yeah.
1: is kind of assumed through all of these things. And I
0: think that that's what this question gets to. Just like a narcissistic jerk, somebody who's pompous and always wants to be above me and is always trying to get the last word in. You know, you can be a jerk for many reasons, but uh, there is a true criteria for those individuals who truly have narcissistic personality disorder.
1: So um, I can't put, like, just general asshole on the insurance billing thing. So I'm looking to put narcissist, and I have to make sure they meet five of those nine criteria. Correct. That is sort of the checks and balances that the medical establishment has come up with for me to justify why I say this right so what separates the narcissist from some other thing i have to be able to justify it on paper
0: correct and and also there is this idea that psychiatrists and psychologists can just run around willy-nilly and just well can't you just diagnose everybody with anything and doesn't everybody meet a criteria for some kind of illness adjustment disorder well (laughs) that is true it's kind of an inside joke in the world Mm -hmm. but um the idea that uh Well, that is a fallacy because one of the safeguards that the DSM has put in is that it has to be causing some issue in your life. So, sure, people get sad. Does that mean you have major depressive episodes? No, because there's a certain threshold that you have to meet in terms of time criteria number of symptomatology, and that it also has to be affecting your life negatively in some way, socially, occupationally, or otherwise, that it's really causing a detrimental experience. And that has really made the DSM valuable in the world of, well, we believe, I think, in the societal meme that can't you just diagnose anybody with anything? And the answer is no, because it has to be causing a detrimental effect to some degree to either you or those around you.
1: So here's the bottom line. What separates a diagnosis of narcissism and just being a narcissistic jerk? Um, whoever's talking to them, right? So I would be looking for five out of the nine things in order to put it on paper if I'm billing insurance. But if you look at somebody and you're like, they're such a narcissist I'm not gonna call you out and be like, well, did they do this? Did they do that? I think we all sort of layman term know what a narcissist is. Yeah. And it's really irrelevant of whether or not they qualify for the diagnosis or not. Yeah. It only matters if you're billing insurance. <laughs> Although it also,
0: you know, some people overcompensate for their lack of self esteem by putting forward a persona that may be very, quote, jerkish, right? There's no true definition of being a jerk, right? I think that's just a common, it's just a phraseology. But um, sometimes if you're not truly falling in that category of a narcissistic personality disorder, uh, some of those people might actually just really be overcompensating for really limited self-esteem and they're trying to put forward some front or uh, try to be the cool guy, or trying to overcompensate right. for some I'm not deficiency. looking to pathologize they they everybody, uh, but I I also find that interesting. So some people say, "Oh, he's just a jerk." Those people are actually sometimes really fragile, and uh, you know, trying to put forward something that they're really not, so it comes out sideways, and you're like, "That he's just a weirdo," and like, you know, what right. a jerk! Why did he say that? Oftentimes, if I'm in the mood in to head. like
1: really reflect on it and be empathic and stuff oh, yeah. like that, it's very easy though to just say, "What an ass," and move on. <laughs> yeah. It it does. It takes so mental like, energy to go back and be like, "All right, what's going on there that caused them to do that?" And that's a lot of the work that I do in therapy, is when people say, "Oh, it's just such a jerk," of going back and saying, "Okay, take the drone perspective. What's going in there on in their life that's causing them to act this way?" Because when we can do that, then we have more empathy. Yep. And then we don't personalize it quite as much. True. That's my little. I hope so that answered the
0: question. I'd love to know more details, though, because sometimes you can really get nuanced in these answers. So if anyone wants to write in these questions and give us some examples, hey, why do you think somebody would say this or do this in this certain situation? We could bre- break those things down a little bit more thoroughly. Yeah. Cool. All so right, I Jesse. hope I answered
2: it. Dear hey. Sigmund, I just heard the term orthorexia. What is it?
0: Oh. Well, the definition, you know the definition?
1: Yeah, it's compulsively focusing on um, nutrition and healthy eating and to the point where it becomes, would you call it obsessive?
0: Or a detriment.
1: Right, like it basically impacts the function of everyday life.
0: Yeah. So it sometimes can be like a...
1: A vegans, justification, vegans, right, for so, something that might not be tremendously <laughs> healthy,
0: right? You know, I, oh, oh, I've got A, B, C, and D uh, dietary limitations because of this moral uh, idea that I have or because of this, you know, belief that I have. You know, it's not really sensitivities. You know, people who have allergies and, you know, gluten allergies truly or, you know, irritable bowel syndrome or those kinds of things need to have these, you know, s- uh, I would say avoidance due to sensitivities. But this is more I'm making a conscious decision to avoid these things for some ethereal idea, um, not a biological need. Uh, But it's so much so that it's actually just kind of an excuse for me to have severe calorie restriction or significant calorie restriction. Um, And there's certain, you know, anorexia is this idea that uh, you're, Either doing one of two things: you're restricting calories to the point,
1: or you're of, expending calories. You always have to be in a caloric yeah. deficit,
0: or you're over-exercising. We call right. it, yeah, compulsive exercising, or exercising to the degree that I'm going to burn off more calories than I eat. Um, and then you have like a, a bulimia eating disorder type category where it's um, I will eat and binge, but then I purge. Um, and generally those are more like healthy weight people and anorexics are are much more on the malnutrition side. Mm-hmm. Um so I think what the question is getting at is is kind of that is I anorexia say, masquerading as orthorexia.
1: Yes. Yeah, and the answer is a resounding like. yes. Yeah, it, it definitely can. can be. It can be. Yeah. And I think it's very in vogue right now. Yeah. To do that. It's a great cover. Well, right I now.
0: watched this I watched this documentary the other day called uh C-spiracy, Seaspiracy, S E A, conspiracy, and uh, and I don't want to eat fish anymore. It was all about kind of fish farming and this mm-hmm. uh, really kind of the dirty, gross nature of the fishing industry. And then you know it's got all these images of people going fishing for a certain type of fish, and they're pulling out dolphins and turtles, and they're just you know whacking them in the head with clubs and throwing their dead bodies over. I mean it's really horrifying to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the whaling industry and all this stuff, and then even fish farms, which are sustainable fisheries, is really just like putting a whole bunch of fish in the ocean in a net and like letting them all swim in each other's poop and eat poop, and then they inject them with like the then salmon they go to and red orange, lobster. yeah, yeah, and then they inject them with like orange dye or like put a bunch of orange dye on their food to make them look healthy. Mm-hmm. It was really wild, and I uh, for a little while there, I was like, I don't want to eat that crappy fish. I'm over fish. And then somebody tells me about the cows and how the cows are gross and. I'm like I don't want to eat beef, and then yeah, uh, you know, chickens. And the I sensationalism feed the
1: chickens. really feeds into it. Yeah, or
0: so I could see how this could really go yeah, pretty it, swiftly. Yeah, it can
1: be firmly endorsed, right? Because yeah. there's a lot of cultural things that would reinforce. Yeah, I do.
0: I don't know. I don't like vegetables that much. I like some <laughs> vegetables.
1: <laughs> I i would <get laughs> be hard pressed to find anyone that likes a lima bean.
0: Yeah, we went to we went to dinner last night, and I had uh, scallops, and uh, was it like some thinly sliced beef and scallops, both raw, which is Ooh. interesting that, you know, after I watched this documentary, I had all these ideas about it, and nah, it didn't affect me when I was ordering
1: off the menu. But then that's a sign of not having orthorexia.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think there's a time and a place for everything, and, and, and as long as you're maintaining nutritional norms, I would say definitely meet with a nutritionist as well, because they can really keep these things in balance and identify... If you're going to have deficiencies in certain or certain restrictions, rather, uh, how you can make up for those restrictions and still keep a healthy, balanced diet?
1: All right, cool. Hmm. Good All question, right, though. Jesse, I really am looking forward to the next question. Oh, no.
2: All right, dear Sigmund, I'm really happy for your podcast. I could never talk about this with anyone face to face. It's really bad. Every night at about seven o'clock. I get the urge to eat cat food, the wet stuff. If I don't do it, I get so agitated that I can't think of anything else. So I eat a forkful. I logically know it's gross and I think there's something seriously wrong with me. I hate it. If anyone finds out that I do it, I would be so embarrassed. Have you ever heard of this before? Is it pica or that thing people get where they eat stupid stuff?
0: <laughs> um. Pica is a really interesting phenomenon. When you have vitamin deficiency, you start craving really weird things. And often it's dirt because there's a certain mineral content in dirt that can replace what your what your body is craving for. Pica has also been kind of like really sent out around, like just eating weird, th- like pencil shavings, uh, things of that nature. There's a couple of really interesting pica phenomenon that I've seen. CLC did a, a whole show on it. Did they really? Mm-hmm. No kidding. Oh uh, wait, was that called My Strange Habit? Or something, something like I that. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think I saw something like mm-hmm. that. Um, some of those I think are made up though. Those ones, they, they seem a little too sensational at times. But um, I, without further information, I'm going to have a hard time answering this question. Also, the only time that I have seen this is in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's seen that show, but there's there are many episodes where some of the main characters in this television show called It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia eat a, a whole can of cat food. But this individual is, you know, right before bed because I think that it causes some GI distress and that it helps them sleep better, knocks them out for the night, something of that nature. Um, a forkful, though, just one forkful. I would like to know first of all, what are you doing with the rest of the can f- of cat food? So is this happening in the context of I'm feeding my cat, so I have to get and this we're can sharing out. a meal. Yes, and I'm looking at the can and I'm seeing it and I'm giving the cat this, and I happen to take a forkful, is very different, and it might not seem to so to everybody, but to me, clinically, it would be, um, than an individual who is ruminating on the cat food, thinking about it, going to the cabinet, opening the can solely for their own one forkful, and then throwing away the rest of the can. Those are two very different experiences, and I will tell you that they'd probably be separated from More likely than not an anxiety disorder slash OCD type component to, um, you know, in a compulsive episode or phenomenon. Okay. I could see this totally be a compulsion. I ate cat food and nothing bad happened after I did it, such as, you know, you're relating it with something separate. Like... I ate the cat food and my cat didn't die, so it's very reassuring to me to know that I eat it, it's not bad, it's safe for the cat, because I'm so concerned about the cat's health. That could be one component. Or what is this fulfilling? Well it
1: doesn't mention a cat, he or she, doesn't mention a cat in the thing, it just says if I don't do it I get so agitated that I can't think of anything else, so that.
0: We need more information on this one. Yeah. I think so. There's a couple ways I would look at this.
1: All right, so we need this person to leave us a voicemail message giving us more detail. Yeah. All right.
0: this, this is
2: this
1: so is a interesting,
0: great and I don't want to go down like these this wild tangents that my mind is going clinically because okay. we could we really explore the these in depth.
2: Time, so this person should write in, tell yes. us the cat food, and we'll try it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would, no. I would no. eat it. Would you eat it? No. I would eat the cat food.
1: No, I mean maybe it
2: tastes really good. Fancy Feast. I mean maybe it's. That I open.
1: Good. I bust open two cans of Fancy Feast every morning, and never has it entered my mind.
2: Oh, not even for listeners.
1: Yeah, no. I would. I would. No, sacrifice. not even for listeners. I would. Do Sorry. It. I would do or it. Or listener. I like.
0: I like you, listeners, better than Shannon does. Just you know. It's <laughs> good. No. No. I think that. Really. I gotta draw the line Honestly, you know, I would not consider this in any realm of psychosis I could see a lot of people immediately being like Well, that's psychotic behavior That That is nonsensical This person must be delirious or delusional Or psychotic Absolutely not That is not even close to where my mind is
2: going on this I thought they'd stop in a forkful, yes yeah. <laughs>
0: that is an interesting that honestly that is one of the more poignant points of this is that there's one forkful happening and that if that's not done they can't get that thought out of their head i'm thinking this is more compulsive behavior that there's a compulsion driving this which is in the silo i know i've explained in this podcast before that i kind of silo the way mental illnesses look you know, anxiety disorders, psychotic disorders, mood disorders, and personality disorders. This, I think, is going to fall in the anxiety disorder category. There is there is some compulsion anxiety driving this, and uh, and I would love to explore that more. Yeah, right in cliffhanger. This one, put a yes. pin in it. Yes, this is totally right, we're putting a pin in it.
1: cliffhanger material.
0: Okay, all right. I'm kind of excited. Please do write in again,
1: and listen um, for the next episode where we might answer this. Yes. Wouldn't this be awesome? I have a
0: bunch of ideas on that. I'm excited. Okay. All right. What's the next question?
1: No, we don't have any more questions. That's it. That's it. That's that was the, the end, end of the episode. episode. Oh, cliffhanger?
0: True cliffhanger.
1: Yes, exactly. Now they got to wait another week to yeah. find out. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. This is Dear Sigmund. And this is our podcast uh, where we answer your questions, so please do continue to write in. But uh, if you have any serious mental health emergency, please do contact your own health care provider, 911. Go to the local emergency room. But uh, this is solely for educational uh, and entertainment purposes only, Uh, but we do really try to provide education. So please keep asking questions so we can answer your questions. Thanks for listening.
1: All right. (laughs) See you next time.